Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Inspire Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message inspire you, that it builds your faith, and that it can help you see how God desires to move in your life. Enjoy the message. The title of this message is called Developing the Dreamer. And this morning, come on, do I have any dreamers this morning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do I have any dreamers? Yes, yes. Uh, and not, not like the daydreamers, you know? The ones that just, I just want to sit out in a field and just lie and look at the clouds and just dream. Um, maybe, no. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about the kind of dream that'll keep you awake at night. That kind of dream, that kind of dreamer that God would want to develop this morning. So since we're talking about dreams and dreamers and developing those dreamers, it's only appropriate that we go to the Word of God and we look at the life of Joseph, yeah? Yeah? Okay, we're going to go there this morning. Go to Genesis in chapter 39. We know Joseph, God gives him a dream. And then he, he just said, this dream is amazing. It's a dream where uh, he will be in authority and in leadership and his brothers and his parents would bow down to him. And so he goes in excitement and he shares the dream with his brothers. And then his brothers are like, stink dream? That's a stink dream. Family, eh? Honestly. And then not only that, they're like, that dream sucks. So we're going to kill you. Right? And then they decide, okay, now, you know what? Instead of killing you, we're just going to sell you into slavery so we can make money off of you. It was, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> you know, sometimes family just sucks. Honestly, right? Yeah, you're all laughing because you all know. You all know, and I want you to stop thinking about that person in your head. Okay, stop it. Stop nudging the person next to you. All right. Um, but we all know, and see that the thing is he shares it with the people who are closest to him expecting support and he gets the complete opposite. And so we find him in, in chapter 39 and he's been sold into slavery. And so let's read the word. And verse one, Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded. But not only that, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded while he was in slavery to an Egyptian master. Don't you love that? I love that even being in slavery doesn't disqualify you from God's presence being with you. Even in the challenge, even in the hard time, even when it feels like you're in a pit, it doesn't mean that God's presence is not with you. God's not scared of your ugly. He's not scared of your broken. He's not scared of your challenge, but He will be with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And His He is so omnipresent. He is so powerful, that whatever situation you find yourself in, no matter it be a pit or the palace, He will be with you. And when He is with you, you succeed in Jesus' name. Just because you go through a challenge doesn't mean you can't be blessed. 
Just because you go through a struggle doesn't mean you can't succeed. In Psalms, it says that we should be fruitful in every season in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Even in the wintertime, you can be fruitful. Even in the winter of your life, where, where what should happen is you should have decreased in what you produce, but rather what happens, you increase. In Jesus' name. And Joseph's life is evidence of this. While I'm in slavery, my God is with me. I don't understand, but I know God is with me. I don't get what's going on, but God is with me and he causes increase. In Jesus' name, if you're going through a struggle, come on, if you're going through a challenge, I pray you would understand your God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And if that's you right now, come on, lift your hands and respond. We're not waiting for the good feels of the keyboardist. Right? Right now, if you're in a struggle and you need to and you need to be reminded this morning, God, I need to know your presence, your presence, your presence. Father, I pray for every situation, every challenge, every space, God, of the of the faith gap, God, where it feels like oppression where it feels like pressure, where it feels like I don't know what to do and what's going on and I don't understand, I pray that you would quiet the voice of the accuser in Jesus' name and that each person with their hand raised and their heart filled with faith would know Emmanuel, my God is with me. The Prince of Peace would reign in their hearts in Jesus' name and I pray, God, that even in the challenge you would bring blessing. You would bring favor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, I'm believing God is exchanging. He's exchanging right now in this moment. Okay, yeah, I'm excited. I'm getting too excited. Okay, calm down, guys. All right, good times. Uh, so he's there. He's, um, he is succeeding. And then we see um, in verse... Uh, six, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except of uh, what kind of food to eat. What a life. What a great life. That's one of my main concerns. Food. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, okay. Mind back on God now. All right. Here we go. Joseph was, ve- was a very handsome and well-built young man. This is what happens when you're well-built and handsome. I'm kidding, this isn't that. And then Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. This is what she said. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Who is this chick? Honestly, eh? Better watch out for those girls, handsome, young-built men. Young-built, well-built young men. Okay, look, okay, focus. Uh, so this woman, Potiphar's wife, says to Joseph, come and sleep with me. She demands it. And verse eight says, but Joseph refused. But Joseph refused. But Joseph refused. And so the first thing that the dreamer needs to develop in Jesus' name is the development of identity. That's what we're talking about here in verse eight. The Old Testament, we know, was written in Hebrew. And as it was written in Hebrew, it wasn't necessarily written to be kind of read in your mind. It was written to be read out loud. And when it was read out loud, it was read with a kind of cadence, like, uh, like a musical, uh, like, like a piece of music, like a poem. 
So you were meant to read it uh, in, in Hebrew, and there was a cadence that would go with it. So like music, um, often there would be indicators in the written language of how a word should be spoken or should be read. Now, in this particular part of the scripture, in verse 8, in Hebrew, where it says, but Joseph refused, the word refused has a particular accent on it that would notify the reader that you should read this particular word with a different kind of cadence, that this word is different. Now, the accent was called, it is called a shal shalot. Okay, and the symbol is simply three lines, like a zigzag, like one, two, three. Okay, and whenever the reader would see that shall shalot, it only happens four times in the in the in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. It only happens four times, but when it is written, it indicates that the reader should read this word a little bit longer because it is an important moment of critical transition. So it's not just, but Joseph refused and we moved on. It's indicating, stop, there's something important that's gone on in this moment. And those three particular lines, they stand for three things, an action, a temptation, and a response. But Joseph refused. There was an action. Potiphar's wife presents an opportunity. There was a temptation. Can you imagine Joseph? who's been rejected by the people who should have loved him and supported him the most, who's been thrown into a pit, who's been sold into slavery, but who has managed to make some sort of semblance of good out of this situation of slavery. And now this wife, this beautiful woman, offers herself to... Can you imagine Joseph? Yeah, he probably... the, The temptation probably would have been, you know what? I deserve a little bit of comfort. I deserve a little bit of comfort after all that I've been through. After everyone who's rejected me, I deserve a little bit of acceptance. I deserve to have this. That was the temptation, but the response, but he refused. And so the development of the dreamer includes the development of identity. This is the critical moment of transition for Joseph's life. Why? Because it's never really much to do with what's going on around you. Always to do with what's happening inside of you. It's never about what's going on around you. It's always, always, say always. It's always about who you are becoming. At that moment, the moment of critical transition is not what am I gonna do? The moment of critical transition is who do I wanna be? Never, what am I gonna do? Always, who do I wanna be? So when it comes to situations in life where I need to choose between one choice or another, I'm never asking myself the question, what should I do? I'm always asking myself the question, who do I want to be? I want to be a person of faith. So I take the faith choice. I want to be a person who follows God. So I go where the Spirit of God is going. doesn't matter if I don't understand. doesn't matter what I think I deserve or don't deserve. Those things don't come into play. doesn't matter about my past or what I've experienced. doesn't matter if I think I'm qualified or not. The, the question is, who do I want to be? 
Do I want to be someone who risks for the kingdom of God? Yes. Do I think I deserve a platform and a microphone? No. Does it matter? No. Is it always a step of faith for me to get up on a platform and grab a microphone? Yes. God empowers us to choose. Who do you want to be? Come on, look at the word of God. Hold it up against your life. Who do you want to be? Who do you want? Do you want to be a person of strength? Okay, we'll choose it. Do you want to be a person of worship? Okay, we'll choose it. Do you want to be a person of influence? Okay, choose it. It's not always easy, but I pray that we would develop that identity within us. Well, you want to be, uh, you, you want to operate as a son and daughter of God? That's who you are. But we've got to choose to live like that every day, yeah? Can you say amen? Amen. Awesome. Okay, moving on. Uh, it's, the, it's the development of identity. Number two, if you're taking notes, is the development of service. In Genesis in 39, verse 19, after that whole situation with Potiphar's wife, you know what, you, you all know what happens. Joseph refuses and, um, and she, uh, Potiphar's wife just keeps pushing. And in the end, uh, she, she grabs Joseph's arm and he was wearing like a, a like coat thing and he freaks out. So he takes off the coat, like keep the coat lady. And then he runs out half naked. Right, and she's standing there holding his cloak. And then Potiphar walks in, honestly, I don't know why we watch TV, just read the Bible. Oh, for real, right? And then Potiphar walks in and he's like, what's going on? And there's Potiphar's wife with Joseph's coat. And she's like, he tried to take advantage of me. Oh, lady, what a lie. And so, and Joseph, the evidence is stacked against Joseph and he's half naked and he's like, back in the prison. And so Joseph's in the prison, right? This is what happens. Um, and, and, and at the end of verse 23, it says this in prison, uh, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The Lord was, can you see a theme? There's a theme progressing here. The Lord was with him. And so he caused everything he did to succeed. And so what happened in the prison was Joseph was put in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. Do you know, being in the prison or being in that challenge or being in that struggle, being in that, um, in being against an adversary, all, all of those things, it doesn't disqualify you from serving. Yay. You know, you know how it feels when you're going through a hard time, and, but you said that you would be on the hosting team at church or serve on the kids' team, and then you're like, oh, it's just been a hard week. I just don't think I can do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And it's not, it's not, about, it's, it's, it's not about the action of, of, of like serving, and I'm doing, I'm doing God and I'm doing church a favor by being here. But it's about being the kind of person that says, even though I'm going through a hard time, I still know the value of what it is to serve the sons and daughters of God. It is, it is an important principle of the kingdom that we often overlook. And we often overlook it because we can tick our little Christian uh, box and say, yeah, I serve twice a month at church, so that's my service. Oh no, my friends. <laughs> That's not service. 
um, really, I'm just going to do this very, very quickly. We're going to go to Genesis, back to Cain and Abel, right? We know the story. We know the story of Cain and Abel? Good. Genesis in chapter 4. So we know uh, that Abel gives a good offering. Cain does not. Cain gets jealous and Cain kills Abel. Again with the family situation, right? Honestly, so Cain kills Abel. And then uh, God knows, because God knows everything, and God gives this punishment to Cain. He says to Cain, the, the ground will no longer yield crop for you, no matter how hard you work, and you will be a homeless wanderer, right? Now, if we think about Hebrew uh, or Jewish law, uh, often the Old Testament law would be an eye for an eye, right? Yeah, we all know that. Uh, And so when we look at the punishment that God gave Cain, you would think that instead of God giving this punishment to Cain, he would just take Cain's life because Cain took someone else's life. But curiously, rabbinical commentary says that that's not what God was dealing with in Cain. He was not dealing with the murder. What he was dealing with was the violation of the kingdom of God that you would sacrifice relationship for your own personal gain. That's the issue. The issue was that you stopped serving others so you could serve yourself. That's the point. That is the violation of the kingdom principle that you would sacrifice relationship and serving others to serve yourself. That's why it makes no sense in the kingdom of God to go and get yourself a career for your own personal fulfillment. Which I know is really offensive to lots of people. Why? Because Western thinking is that you get a job and you get a career to take care of yourself and your family. You just do you. But actually, rule 101 in business, business 101 is that if you want a successful business, you must find a need and then meet it. If you're going to succeed in business, right? Because why? That's a kingdom principle. If you want to succeed and be blessed and be wealthy and have longevity in the industry that you are in, then you find a need and you meet it. What is that if not service? It is service. And so we know because uh, it says this in verse 17, Cain had sexual relations with his wife. She became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city which he named Enoch. Do you know what the name Enoch means? I have been educated. (laughs) I don't know if you just noticed the discrepancy because God said, this is your punishment. You're not ever going to be able to settle and nothing you do is going to grow. Next minute, what does he do? Settle and grows the city. But what's the difference? He had a son and says, I've learned the lesson. I've learned that I violated the kingdom. I learned that I violated your heart. And so the best thing I can do now is I can give my whole life to serving as many people as I can. What better way than to build a city and call it Enoch. 
I've been educated. How good is the word? How good is God? And so I pray. Do you know, uh, I, 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 I want to say this again, that we learn the development of service of others. Again, uh, as you can probably tell, I'm a little bit geeky with the research situation and the word of God. I love to research and to read and to understand the spirit with which the word was delivered and written. And in Jewish culture, they do mates rates. Who loves the mates rates? Yes, I love the mates rates. Discounts. And we get all excited, you know, when our friend works at a cafe. And you're like, yeah, look, they're on today. Let's go and get some free coffee. Right? In Jewish culture, they do mates rates too. But their mates rates are a little bit different. For example, if your friend owned a garage with, you know, fixed cars and mechanic, if your friend owned a business like that, you would go and you would take your car to your friend who owned that business and uh, they would fix your car and they, uh, you would offer them mates rates. And the mates rates is not that you would get discounted from industry price, but what the customer would do is they would pay you over the industry price every time. Is that offensive? Why? Because it's a recognition of you have spent your life learning and training and investing so for this moment where you'd be able to bless me and fix my car. So because of that, I honor. Because of that, I honor. And I give you the mates rates, which is if this costs 100 bucks, I'm gonna give you 150, be blessed. Why? Because the most noble thing you can do in Jewish Hebrew tradition is not necessarily be a minister or a pastor, but the most noble thing you, any human can do is to organize their lives to serve the sons and daughters of God. Whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like. And so I pray we would be a people that wouldn't limit our service of others to two Sundays a a month serving on kids' ministry or hosting, that we wouldn't limit our service of others to one offering every three weeks, but we would be those who Monday we, we walk outside our door in order to serve others. Why? Because it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Come on, that's how people know that we are disciples of God. It's because the love we have one for another. So every, uh, I, I could go on forever. I'm really passionate about serving others. But I wonder if that's one of the keys why even though Josh, Joseph was in prison, God blessed him. Because wherever I am, I serve Can you imagine the power of what it is to serve those who have enslaved you? Do you know one of the biggest open doors in the redemption of the relationship between me and my father who was abusive was a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I know. And it's because I didn't one of the things I believe it's because I, I, didn't, I didn't walk up to my dad and say, you did this and this and this and this and this. But I brought my dad some food. 
And I just said, I'm just gonna try and serve. I'm gonna try and serve. I bring my dad food and we have conversations. When my dad was in hospital, I'd go visit him. And it opened up this moment where we would be able to communicate. And I'd be able to say to my dad, of all the things that have gone on in our lives, not I put the blame on you, but may I serve you with forgiveness. May I serve you with forgiveness. And because of that, our relationship has been on a journey of restoration. Serving others, even those who have offended you. Can you imagine someone offends you? Go buy them a coffee or a hot chocolate. Don't buy them a coffee if they don't like coffee. It's more of an insult. Someone who has offended you, go drop off a care package to their house. Go and serve them somehow. You find out there's a need. Come on, you meet it. You be that person. And you watch, God will be with you and He'll cause you to succeed. There is a development of identity, a development of service. And lastly, there is the development of waiting. There was 11 years that transpired between the moment where Joseph got the dream and the moment where he came out of the prison, served Pharaoh in the most incredible way and then became second in charge of the nation. It was 11 years, 11 years of waiting. I'll give you the definition of waiting. Waiting as a verb without an object is to remain inactive or in a state of repose until something happens, right? Waiting. So that kind of waiting looks like this. That's how some of our Christian walk looks like. I mean, oh, you're going to do it now, God? Right? Don't lie, I know. But here it is, waiting. As a verb with an object is to continue as one who is an expectation of. That's a different kind of waiting. There's a waiting that's just, oh man, God, hurry up. Bring the miracle. Ugh. Then there's the waiting that says, I will continue. I'm gonna continue to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm gonna continue to lift my hands in worship. I'm gonna continue to serve. I'm gonna continue to choose faith. I'm gonna continue to choose hope. I'm gonna love again, hope again, dream again. I'ma keep the dream alive. One year's gone by, I'ma keep walking. Two years, I'm gonna keep walking. Three years, I'm gonna keep believing. Four years, I'm gonna keep believing. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going, God. Something in me is relentless. The dreamer in me will not let it go. While I'm here waiting, God, for you to bring the promise to pass, I'm gonna keep moving. It is the lesson of waiting. And while that's going on, come on, where else was Joseph gonna learn to lead a nation? What qualification did he have? None. 
How does he know how to deal with political environments? Egypt is the superpower. That's like a, a prisoner becoming president of the United States. Don't. Just don't. It's not the time. You know what I'm saying? What qualification does Joseph have? None. What confidence does he have to lead in this place? No confidence, just the dream and God. Just the dream and everything he learned while serving in the prison. Everything he learned while sitting in the pit. Everything he learned about integrity while serving at Potiphar's house. Just that. So while I'm waiting, oh, I'm not waiting. I know heaven lives in me. Come on, while you're in the prison, right? While you're in the challenge, we confess. I know you love me. And I know He found me. I know He saved me. And Your grace will never fail me. So while I'm waiting, oh, I'm now waiting. I know heaven lives in me. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or simply for more information regarding Inspire Church, visit us at inspirechurch.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. It's our prayer that you live inspired by the Word of God and more alive in Him than ever before. Until next time.